since I was in middle school. Or... Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I still remember the first national youth gathering I ever went to. Now, for those of you that don't know, every three years our synod has what's what they call a national youth gathering. They choose some city somewhere and, and youth from all over the United States gather together in one location for a big event. It takes about a week to go through the event. It's a big event. The first time I ever went was not when I was in high school. It was not when I would have been considered a youth, although maybe a youth by, by some. I was about 25 years old. I was a vicar for St. Mark's in Steelville, Missouri. Steelville, Illinois, south of here, down by Carbondale in Chester, Illinois. For those of you that are keeping track, where's Steelville at? Right down, it's right down there. And I remember it was in Orlando, Florida. And we went there, and now in the years to come, we've, we've kind of been in a big stadium or, or something like that, but this wasn't that at all. We were in a big room, just a massive room, a gargantuan room. They had risers sat up all the way around it, and there was kind of this fog, you know, kind of a smoke that was there, and I remember peering through it, and it didn't look like smoke, though. To me... Being 25 years old and seeing this for the first time, thousands and thousands of people gathered together. It almost looked like atmosphere. You know, like when you look at a mountain and you see atmosphere and it's just so big? That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like I was looking at fog or, or smoke. It felt like I was looking at atmosphere. It was like that was just how big this event was. And I remember that experience. And I remember that feeling walking into that room and seeing that for the first time. Now, I came from a small church. I, I grew up in Beaufort, Missouri, population 200. My youth group was about four. And I just walked into a room, and I know I was 25, I was not a youth, but I walked into a room that had close to 30,000 youth there. 30,000, not four not four times four, but 30,000. And I remember that feeling that I got, realizing to some degree for the first time that I really wasn't really alone. That there was a lot of them. And that there was a lot of us. And you know, ever since then, every time I've gone to a youth gathering, and I've been to a few now, every time I talk to the youth, there's always one person in the group, always one in the group, that kind of talks about that same feeling, that same kind of sensation. They go to a youth gathering, and they know, they know that there are other Christians. But to walk into a room and to see 20 or 25 or even 30,000 youth, and the bulk majority of them are just like them. They go to high school. They have drama going on in their high school lives. Some of them hold jobs and don't like it. They have sports, and they go to youth group. And a lot of them did car washes or sold popcorn in order to get there. And they realize that all those people that are gathered there, and it's not so much that it's the first time they've ever seen that many people. It's not that. It's the fact that they're all Christians. They're all gathered there 
in a moment of an event, but even as a moment of worship. And for the first time for a lot of them, it's when they finally realize just how not alone they really are. Because you see, before that, you can really start to feel alone. You can really feel kind of almost ostracized a little bit. But it's at an event like that where you go, wow, no. These guys face some of the same struggles, some of the same battles that I do. And there's something that's comforting in that. There really is. And maybe even you that are gathered here, even those that aren't planning on going to the next youth gathering, maybe even you might feel alone sometimes. You look out at the landscape of the world. You see the way things seem to be moving and progressing. You, you look at, at churches and see some of them even closing their doors. And it saddens your heart, but it makes you almost feel alone. It makes you feel alone. And in that regard, as we turn to Scripture today, and we, we, we're turning to the book of Revelation and there's a lot you can say about the book of Revelation. Like, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of things going on in terms of the vision that John is seeing. It, it, if I was to truly try to unpack this passage that stands before us, we would be here for about an hour, and even then, some of you would probably have some questions as you were leaving. That, that's assuming you didn't leave early, by the way. Well, pastor's really droning on. I'm out. Uh, I get it. I get it. But if there's two points that I want to leave you guys with today from this passage, and again, I can unpack the whole thing, but we don't have time to quite unpack all of what's going on in the book of Revelation that's taking place in chapter 7. But if I could leave you with two main points, and the first one has to do with the angel talking to John. Did you notice that? This great multitude of people is gathered there, and the angel doesn't say, hey, John, here's who this is but instead turns to John and says, John, who are these? And you know, there's a really interesting thing that happens in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to be the first to admit, I did not realize this young on. I had to go to seminary and have a professor that specialized in the book of Revelation. And then he pointed it out to me. And then I went and read for myself. And I go, oh my gosh, he's right. You know, one of those scenarios. But did you ever notice, especially in the book of Revelation, that when it comes to speaking about Jesus, the very work of Christ Jesus, his death and resurrection, the cleansing by the blood of the Lamb, it's left to mankind to do. That is to say, the angel does what an angel does, what he's commanded to do. The angel does what he is there to do. But when it comes to speaking about Jesus... And the great work of Christ, this is the job of mankind. It's the job of John. It's the job of all Christians, including me and including you. And even here in the book of Revelation, even if an angel stands right next to you, it's still our job as Christians to tell the good news of Christ Jesus. It's our job. The second thing that I want us to get out of this passage this morning is the great multitude. You see, sometimes when we feel the most alone, when we feel the most siloed off, sectioned off, ostracized, however you want to put it, I want you to think about this passage. There was a great 
multitude from every tribe, from every nation, all gathered, so many that you couldn't even count. You see, sometimes when we look out of the landscape and we feel alone, we're only looking at the present tense and the here and now. But today, remember, is All Saints Day. Well, actually, Wednesday was All Saints Day. Today, we celebrate All Saints Day. And one of the things that we do in All Saints Day is we remember those people that have gone before us. You see, because those people that have gone before us, they're not gone. When they passed away, they passed away and went into the arms of their Savior, Jesus Christ. They are now with Christ. They are now under the altar. They are now with Jesus. They're not gone. They're with their Savior. And part of what today is about is to remember those that have gone before us because they are not gone. They are with Christ. And there will be a time when they are all together, a great multitude, so many that no one could possibly count. That's how many. A great multitude. You are not alone. As much as we might feel alone, you are not alone. There are other Christians around you right now, but there are also other Christians that have gone before you. And there will come a time when we are all gathered together as God's children together. But right now, in the here and now, we have work to do, don't we? As God's children, as God's children who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, who have received the very forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have a job. Because remember, even if an angel stands right next to us, it is our job as children of God, as men and women in Christ Jesus, to tell others about Jesus. Now here's one of the hardest and most difficult things about uh, being a pastor and, 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 and preaching a text like this because I know, I know a lot of you are going to think, well, what should we do, pastor? And the problem is, is that each of us have different lives and different scenarios. And it's going to look different depending on where we are. For you, it might be all of a sudden you find yourself in a conversation with an old friend and you find that opportune moment, that final moment to actually talk about Jesus to them. Or, or maybe you have a friend that comes up to you and says, hey, where's this church you've been going to? And would you be okay if I came along with you? Or maybe it's that relative that you've known for so long who finally wants to turn their life around and you have a chance to talk to them about the good news of Jesus. Or maybe you're a parent and you're thinking to yourself right now, Pastor, when am I going to have an opportunity to have all of these things going on? How, when am I going to have the opportunity to have this great conversation? I have kids, I'm busy. To which I say, raise your kids in the faith. This is a part of your calling as a parent Yes, even you as parents who are oh so busy, who have schedules that are filled to the nines, even you have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus, tell your family about Jesus, tell your kids about Jesus. Make it a priority. We are called as Christians to tell others about Jesus because we're not alone. You're not alone.
And even as I walked into that room that first time with 30,000 people, with, with a Chuck Norris head over here, with, with what can only be described as a, a Christian Barbie on this side, and with my group having the inflatable duck on a pole, just so that we could know where we were with the groups of people. And even those are people that we could count. Just imagine the great multitude that will be in heaven, all of them cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, and the blessing that we have in the here and now to tell other people the good news, that yes, Jesus died for you. Yes, you have eternal life through him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.